Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? And these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared. To keep your family safe, I'm Amy Alvarez, the store.doombrew.net, where you'll find an entire lineup of design, medical kits, and supplies for your health not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doombrew.net today. I'm glad you did. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. And Bloom. Hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a nanosecond of normality in a nonsensical world. <laughs> I'm Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 1,000 posts, videos, and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Amy Alton. My real name is... <laughs> Is <laughs> your real name is it's, not Amy Amy Alden? Boy, I've really you really fooled late. me. You I was f- gonna say my real name is Nurse Amy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little backwards, <laughs> folks. We've been driving for three days from South Florida to awesome Texas. That's right. So that's we're right. Just a wee bit tired. Anyway, I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And together we are the gang of two. We are the beauty and the beast. Although <laughs> if anyone ever calls. You a beast besides me, boy, I will be so angry. (laughs) And we are the courageous couple. We're here to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. And you're absolutely right. We are in Texas. And apparently we're having allergies to this room. Oh, (laughs) here we are. Yes, indeed, you might hear a little bit of... uh, Oh my goodness. Lower gracious. production quality this time around because we are indeed in a hotel room in Dallas, Texas, or actually in Mesquite. Mesquite. Mesquite, Texas. That's the Self Reliance Expo, which That's is being right. held Friday, 2018, by the way, March 23rd and 24th. That's right. If you happen to be in Mesquite, Texas, or in the nearby environs you might consider coming by and saying hi it's actually at the mesquite convention center that's right and hopefully off rodeo drive <laughs> and during this show hopefully we'll be talking to some of the awesome exhibitors that are there and hear about their mission and see what they're going to be able to do for us and for you, Although however... Although I said Rodeo. It's, rodeo. It's Rodeo, I think, here. Well, you if you... Well, I mean, if you are... In South Florida, they say Hispanic, rodeo. you say Rodeo. <laughs> There's that's a show right. in South Florida called Rodeo Drive. That's where I get Oh, is it really? Yes. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> anyway. Friends and neighbors, yes. have you been injured in an accident? 
with an unreasonable ungulate. You don't know what an ungulate is? Well, you better look it up, U-N-G-U-L-A-T-E. Our attorney says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only. I don't sound like I should be speaking. Why? <laughs> My voice. And Aww. do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and our Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Ah, but when times are tough and getting tougher, <laughs> will you know what to do if someone gets sick or injured? Well, prove to the world you've got more sense than God gave a crate of crackers or a sack of salamanders or a box <laughs> of frogs by learning what to do for injuries and illness when a disaster hits. And while you're at it, doesn't it just make common sense just make common sense to get some supplies and maybe a quality medical kit to go along with all that knowledge? I believe so. And what better place to get it than the lovely Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. They'll help you handle medical issues you'll face in any disaster, and they're designed by yours truly, an honest-to-gosh medical doctor, and hers truly, an advanced registered nurse practitioner. Compare our kits for contents, quality, and cost with anybody else's stuff, I dare you, or just ask anybody who's ever bought one, and you'll agree our kits are the ones that you should have in your medical storage. Hey, you know what? We learn as much from you as you do from us. That is so obvious if you've listened to us for more than two seconds. So get those nuggets of knowledge. Boy, I, can't, boy, I really have my tongue tied today, huh? Honey, it's 10.30 Eastern time, 9.30 here. Oh, you poor We've been thing. driving We've for been three so, days. Oh, I feel so bad for us. I don't, I don't feel bad. I'm just saying that's why our... Our voices and our brains are a little fried here. Well, I am am sharp, sharp like a knife. So get those nuggets of knowledge. A butter knife. (laughs) Well, thanks. Thanks for nothing. Only tonight. Only tonight. So get those nuggets of knowledge out of your noggin. Reach out to old Dr. Bones and the lovely Nurse Amy. It is so easy. Here's Nurse Amy to tell you how. Absolutely. Contact us by email at dr. That's like Dr. D.R. Bones. 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 (laughs) Podcast at AOL.com. Find us on Facebook at our group Survival Medicine D.R. Bones and Nurse Amy. Or like and follow our Facebook page Doom and Bloom. You can also follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel D.R. Bones Nurse Amy. True dat. True dat. You know, one major obstacle in the ability of the survival medic to deal with the issue of wound closure is the lack, which, by the way, we are actually teaching a class on wound closure this weekend in Texas. So, indeed, this is a pretty timely topic. It's the lack of an easily available and stockpileable form of anesthesia. You know, the most popular local anesthetic lidocaine is a prescription item and could be very difficult to obtain enough to Well, to fill the need in long-term survival scenarios or disaster scenarios. We often mention in our podcast, like we just did a few minutes ago, that we learn as much from our readers and listeners than they do from us. And sometimes they'll tell us what we can use as an alternative when certain standard medical items like 
local anesthesia is not available. Now, one thing that you can use is something called Benadryl. Benadryl, otherwise known as diphenhydramine, can serve in an injectable form as a reasonable form of local anesthesia. You won't find this information, by the way, at drugs.com or other general information sites. Usually you'll read that Benadryl is an antihistamine that reduces the effects of natural uh, hist- well, histamines in the body. Diphenhydramine is used to treat things like runny nose and itching and watery eyes, rashes, maybe some cold symptoms. That It also serves as a remedy for motion sickness. Uh, it may induce sleep if you take it in high enough doses. 50 milligrams, for example, probably would be a good sleep aid. And even to treat certain aspects of chronic medical illnesses, even like Parkinson's disease. Now, Benadryl comes in oral form as well as an injectable solution. The oral form is over-the-counter. The injectable is not. Now, it's, it's controversial, but the injectable, believe it or not, has been used as a local anesthetic since the 1950s. It's been used in minor skin, dental, and uh, foot doctor procedures, especially in those patients that are allergic to lidocaine. Patients who indeed present with a history of allergy, quote-unquote, to local anesthetics are pretty common in clinical practice. And sure enough, very few of them are going to be allergic to the use of injectable 1% Benadryl or diphenhydramine. It's safe, it's inexpensive, and it's effective as a local anesthesia, believe it or not, for simple dermatological procedures in people who report allergies to lidocaine, procaine, novocaine, things like that. Uh, diphenhydramine is also known as diphenhydramine chloride or DPH. It has a lot of pharmaceutical uses. It's a first generation oral antihistamine, but when you apply it topically, it has excellent anesthetic and anti-itching effects. And so therefore, we have a lot of use for Benadryl or diphenhydramine as one of my top 10 over-the-counter medicines, but the intravenous version of it may actually be difficult to get without a prescription. I will tell you, though, how how useful it is, and I, I'll use a case report to tell you a little bit about that. There was a 51-year-old man who presented to the emergency room for evaluation of a cyst on his back, and while he reported experiencing uh, an allergy to Novocaine uh, some years ago, and some of the symptoms he had included lightheadedness and pounding in the chest. Some of these things that actually are pretty significant and in this case occurred immediately after the injection of the Novocaine or the local anesthetic. And now this ended up, of course, as you can imagine, in an emergency room visit. And what happened here is that an allergist was testing specifically for allergies to cane drugs, Novocaine, things like that, lidocaine. And it was actually determined that other things were possible to be used that would be effective as a local anesthetic. One, one cc of the intravenous Benadryl diphenhydramine, 10 milligrams per milliliter, actually it caused a full local anesthetic effect. The patient experienced no pain, had no bad side effects during the removal of a cyst, which was big enough to, believe me, cause a lot of pain if he didn't have 
anesthetics at all. So you have to realize that although this patient had no side effects, all drugs, it's possible to have side effects. The use of uh, Benadryl as a local anesthetic can be associated with local tissue death at the site of injection in, in rare cases, and, but usually occurs because you use too much of it. And so as a result, you don't see it on any medical websites as a possible option. But believe it or not, indeed it is. Now, the way to do this very simply, get up, get a vial of Benadryl, 50 milligrams per milliliter, 1% diphenhydramine solution. Put it, draw it up into a syringe to maybe just a milliliter, just one cc, and dilute the contents of the syringe with a good four milliliters of sodium chloride solution, in other words, normal saline, to yield a final volume of about five milliliters in the syringe. Of course, you want to always label syringes if you're not using them immediately with what they have in them. And with about two milliliters or so of this uh, injectable Benadryl solution, you'll get a pretty good local anesthetic effect. So when you have a shortage of lidocaine, a patient with an allergy to Novocaine, things like that, this is something that would be a useful item. You have to remember that the survival medic's job is a really difficult one, and searching for additional tools in the medical woodshed isn't easy, but it's necessary if the medics are to be effective in an austere off-grid setting. At normal times, of course, I want you to seek modern and standard medical care from qualified professionals. I did want to say that I tried to order this, and indeed, I had an order that went through without a medical license, but then they indeed asked for a prescription afterwards. So this is still not something that's freely available, but I just want to let you know that it would work if you could get your hands on it. Okay, we're here at the Self-Reliance Expo in beautiful Mesquite, Texas, and actually here with one of my absolutely favorite people in the entire world, Rich Bearsford, who is the head of AroundTheCabin.com, the premier video cast network that you'll see regarding preparedness, survival, uh, a lot of different topics. And thank you for coming and talking to us today. Thank you for having me down uh -huh. here with you. And uh, also, I want to tell everybody you guys need to check out Joe's podcast, as always, and also check out his videos that are up on Around the Cabin. Still yes, there. we still have some, some videos there. We have to get back to doing that. Yeah. We're just uh, running around like chickens with our heads with cut off but we will get back to doing that one day well tell me a little bit about why you decided to start around the and and what what are you getting what are you trying to do for people by having your network around the cabin was originally founded uh, to try and share as much of the correct information from people that were putting out videos and promoting things there was so much wrong information out there. Joe, you know what that's like. Oh, yeah. So sure. You see it and you go, no, no, that's not quite right or something like that. And so I wanted guests like yourself and Amy and other people. I've had Dave and Canterbury on. I've had other people on who, who live and do what they talk about and they're actually doing this stuff. I've got people that were famous and people that are not famous. It doesn't matter. But to be on Around the Cabin, you actually have to do what you're talking about. That's what I want. That's you got to walk do. the walk. That's right. That's right. A absolutely. Well, nobody walks a walk like you. That's all <laughs> I have to say. Tell me a little bit. Of you. Now, are you? do you have your own show or are you still... 
just moderating. It's, nev it's never about me. It's always about everyone else. I, I don't have my own show. I've been asked to do that numerous times by I people. I know, including me. But I, I, I want the focus for Around the Cabin to be on everybody. What happens around your cabin happens around my cabin. And you should tune in to learn things, like from Joe and Amy, who are actually a doctor and nurse and who actually do what they talk about. So why would you go learn from information from some guy who was you know just here or there or learn from something from a book when you can actually learn from people who really do it got their hands dirty so that's right that's, that's right. right or bloody or <laughs> <laughs> I, I know all about that well let me tell you let me ask you about who is currently on your network and what kind of shows uh, can we see there? We uh, have we are having the controversial shows. Oh, we have our friend Rusty, who you uh, know. Oh, uh, sure, Rusty. Yeah. He's awesome. And Rusty is doing a show called Bullets and Whiskey, which is not very popular on the <laughs> networks, but very popular with us and the people that follow us because we actually talk about the true stuff, firearms, mm -hmm. and then we have a nice whiskey finish at the end, like cigar uh, yeah. tasting. We have awesome. whiskey tasting. Awesome. Uh, we have people who do off-grid. We have Phil, the backyard butcher shop, who literally butchers his own food and, and grows it and does those things. Uh, I'm trying to get Foos to do a water show. No. Foos used to, no, own his, he used to own his own water testing facility. Our buddy Kip, the guy behind the scenes that does the electronics. Uh -huh. And I'm, I think in Denver he's actually going to speak for us. On oh, the, that on is awesome. Thing. So most of the people that we have that do the shows are people who really do it. Now we do have some, some great joke shows like our, our, our good friend Dude, who was actually uh -huh. one of my first show hosts. Uh -huh. He's still with me all these years later. And uh, his random cavalcade of nothingness that he does, <laughs> and it's good. It's it's a Love lot of people art articles and a lot of other stuff up there, and we share a lot of things. But it's always things that, if I wouldn't use it for my family or learn from my family, I don't want to put it on my viewers' families. Well, I think you've done a real service to the preparedness community. I think you're moving right along and and hopefully developing an even bigger network. I know you have had a number of really impressive hosts, uh, Jim Cobb, mm -hmm. other people, and I think that this is a really a needed uh, resource for the preparedness community. I hope so. I hope people, you know, it, it's not about, hey, look what Rich can do. It's about, hey, well, look what we can do together. Now, we're getting the pleasure of seeing you often now on at these shows. So I see you're traveling around a little we, bit. We got, we got, we Tell me about up, that. Well, we picked about four shows this year to go to. Uh -huh. um, we're going to do this one here in Mesquite, then we're going to do one in Denver, and then we're doing one more over in West Virginia. West Virginia. And, and uh, we're going to be over there at that. that is, uh, these are the Self-Reliance Expos, and the one in West Virginia is the Bull, Bullseye Preparedness Expo. Bullseye Preparedness, that okay. That we're, we're doing over there. Um, can't beat it all of them. You know what it's like. Right. You can't be everywhere. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. then doing the shows, I literally do better at the house doing the shows than I do out here on the road for the internet connections. And all oh, that as you stuff. can imagine, yeah. So, and sure. the video takes a lot to stream oh. to put out there. So you really got to have a high-speed internet connection and all that stuff. Well, I want to thank you for coming and talking with us. I want everybody to check out their channel, AroundTheCabin.com. You'll find all sorts of great shows, great hosts, and you have our moderator right here, Rich Bearsford, who is honestly one of the most important people to me and to the preparedness community. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I love everything you guys do. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Right. God bless. All right, cool. We're going to have to take it in.
Well, here we are at the Self-Reliance Expo, and you can hear all the hustle and bustle, and we apologize for any audio difficulties, but today we have Blake Alma with us, and Blake Alma has a, a very popular show called The Outdoor Experience. How are you, Blake? Oh, man, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Joe? Good, good. Yeah, yeah, Tell us how you on. got involved in all this. Yeah, it's a long story short. Um, a few years ago, back in 2013, I fell in love with the outdoors and uh, fishing, really, and then that turned into bushcraft and survival, and uh -huh. I started a blog called The Art of the Outdoorsman, which is now The Conservative Sportsman. Uh -huh. And doing that, uh, I wrote all kinds of survival articles and stuff, which turned into freelance writing. Awesome. For Survival Life and some other websites, yep. which turned cool. into me getting my own radio show, the podcast, and the TV show. Well, boy, <laughs> it is just a steamroll. Yeah. You know, it's like a snowball going down yeah, the hill, yeah, huh? Yeah. Well, that is wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit about some of the some of the stuff that you really, really like to talk about on your shows. My, my favorite thing to talk about, with no doubt, is bushcraft. Mm -hmm. uh, be, I just love talking about you know starting fires and trapping uh -huh. and using primitive traps to modern traps. It's just you know a big passion of mine. But uh, you know our, our show's called the Outdoor Experience. It's not just the survival or hunting or fishing experience. I, I include right. survival in the outdoor mm -hmm. category, and so talk about all things outdoors. And really, our show we talk a lot about hunting. I would prefer to talk more about survival because I like survival more. But you know the hunting oh. audience is a little bigger than survival. But. Sure. Well, there there is uh, a lot of overlap too. Oh, tons of it with regards to that. So, I, you're you're definitely in the right niche. Yeah, yeah. As we say. So, uh, tell me a little bit about what you're doing at this show. Why did you decide to come to the Self Reliance Expo? Uh, Kiki, the the founder, well, I guess the owner of the expo, she brought it from uh, who was it? Robert. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ron. No, Ron uh, Douglas. 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 Right, yeah. Ron Douglas. And. Uh, she she read one of my books called uh, The Survival Guide to Primitive Traps or something. Uh -huh. And she texted me on Facebook and said, hey, Blake, we're looking for speakers at our Self-Reliance Expo in Mesquite. Would you be interested? And I'm like, heck yeah, let's do it. And so uh, ever since me and Kiki have been working together, she's uh, she's a sponsor now on the TV show. And awesome. so um, it's an awesome show. So got involved, and then I brought on some other people like Bob uh, Hansler with uh, his giant YouTube following, uh, Katie Lynn, uh, country mm -hmm. star America's Got Talent, uh, sure. all buddies of mine, so able to get them here too, and so I'm excited to be here. Well, that is awesome. We're glad to have you, and I think you're a rising star in the prepared, not only the outdoor, but the preparedness community, and uh, I wish you the very best yeah, appreciate in the it, future. That's Thanks for having me on. Blake Alma, The Outdoor Experience. Oh, wait, how, how else can we reach you? you got a bunch of different things Oh, yeah, i got a bunch. Uh, the, the easiest thing is to go to my website, just BlakeAlma.com. Just go there, and you'll find TV show, radio show, podcast books, all there. BlakeAlma, A-L-M-A.com. All right, awesome. Thanks, Blake. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it, man. Still here at the Self-Reliance Expo with my lovely wife, Amy Alton, but also with a good friend of mine, Chris Mahan of Self-Sufficient Living, and he's got some new products that I want to hear all about. Tell us what you've got. Well, thank you. Um, we've got a number of new water filtration products. Um, our latest uh, product that we've added to the inventory is what we call our Croc filter. Um, it play, sits on top of a ceramic Croc. Um, and will filter three to five gallons an hour, and the filter is rated at 10,000 gallons of clean water. Wow. It will take out chlorine, it'll take out pesticides, herbicides, uh, anything that you might be afraid of that's either in your municipal water, takes 100% of lead out, um, and so it'll clean your water 
Well, that's a big concern, right? Because you've got a lot of chemicals in the water and, and sounds like if you could take out pesticides, there probably isn't too much that you can't take out. No, and, and uh, it's very interesting because here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, everybody's complaining one of the water companies has been putting chlorine in the water oh. and everybody is complaining about it because it tastes bad and smells bad. Well, our filter will take that out too. Well, that's awesome. It sounds like a great uh, option for people. It's, is it a sturdy sturdy thing? Is it something you can have for years? Oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. It's As I said, the filter itself is rated 10,000 gallons. So that's going to be a year or two before uh, people have used that up. The replacement filter is very reasonable at $35. And so you can continue to use it year after year to filter your water. So no more trips hauling five-gallon buckets from the water store. Well, that is, that's very important. And of course, you know, if something ever happened, it's important to have something like that around because you don't want to have to be lugging those five-gallon Home Depot buckets from the local water source just, to, right. just you, to get things going. But you are actually sort of moving, you're branching out from just survival and preparedness. You're self-sufficient living now. Self-sufficient living. What we're doing is we're educating people on how they can live off the grid if they choose to, how they can store all their products from the vegetable garden that they grow every year, how they can purchase stuff in large quantities and have it uh, stored for long periods of time. We also, we do freeze dryers, we do pressure canners, we do dehydrators, we teach people how to grind their own grain into bread flour, make their own bread. Wow. So we're trying to give them a, a variety of options. Now, where can we find you on, on the web? Well, you can find us on the web under selfsufficientliving.com. Uh, we have a website. And, uh, you know, we also will have a Facebook page up this week. Uh, we've, we also have our old website and Facebook, which is Bug Out on a Budget. Right. Well, I think it's great that you're, you're branching out. There are a lot of people who may not understand preparedness so much, but do understand out clean water, for example, and they're, I think, going to really like some of your products. Well, I, we hope so, and, and again, we're here to educate people and to help them uh, prevent things, bad things from happening. All right, sounds great. Chris Mahan of Self-Sufficient Living, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Thank you very much. All right, God bless. Later. Thanks, Chris. Yep. All right, back at the Self-Reliance Expo, we're here with Bob Hansler. Bob Hansler is a Southern survivalist or Southwestern survivalist. We're here in Mesquite, Texas, so you, this is your neck of the woods. This is absolutely my neck of the woods. That's great. Well, tell me a little bit about what you do. Well, we have a YouTube video, or YouTube channel, rather, right now, and we do everything survival. Uh, we show people how to come out in South Texas, how to forge, how to trap things, how to catch things how to really enjoy the, the outdoors in ways that uh, they might not be familiar with. So you can go and run through the woods, you can hike, but until you really stop and look and see what's under the water or what's behind that tree or really know what it's used for, uh, it, it, it really doesn't hit you as much as it can. So we try and show people as much as possible and uh, really open up the outdoors to those that, that might not have that avenue. Well, your YouTube channel is 
very popular, I understand, has over a thousand, hundred thousand just hit uh, that mark, subscribers. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I think that's a, an incredible milestone. And so it shows that you're actually putting out a lot of great information. Tell us about some of the videos, some of your favorite videos on your channel. Some of the favorite videos. Well, I, I have my favorites and I have uh, the favorites that everybody else absolutely loves. Oh, okay. Absolutely and they're different loves. and interesting. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch what people like and what they don't. But uh, Catch and Cooks, people really love to see the entire process all the way through, to see where their food comes from, to mm. see it out there in the field, and um, to see it processed all the way uh -huh. through. And by the end, it looks like something that Bobby Flay cooked up yeah. in his kitchen kind of thing. And uh, to show just using your old Bowie knife and, and a campfire to be able to make all these amazing dishes without all the modern conveniences is one of the things people really enjoy. So building uh, stone ovens, building ground ovens, baking things, making breads from natural things. Uh, these, are, these are things that we see every day, but it's, it's very hard for us to understand how those things come to be. Now, you talk about Southwestern survival. Tell us about what specific issues confront the, the person who's living in the Southwest who may be thrown off the grid. Thrown off the grid. Southwest, now, the Southwest is a very large place. Starters. I'll say, yeah. So uh, we're actually five hours south of here, so we're, we're about tropical mm -hmm. in our area. So we have uh, all kinds of humidity issues. Right. Uh, Texas is a big place, so you have places with zero humidity or negative humidity. Oh, yeah. Or you start to dry out right there. But uh, I think one of the, the most memorable ones that pe people actually remember is fire ants. Uh -huh. uh, anywhere you walk around, uh, the, the suckers start to, to come up you and they, they start to bite on you. And uh, it's, it's really a concern. Yeah, uh, whether very you're aggressive. around flood waters uh, mm -hmm. where they're, they're floating around or you try and make a campsite, mm -hmm. they can ruin your day real, it, yeah, real fast. fast. Real fast. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What would you like to tell our listeners, people from the preparedness community about well, what you can you can do for them in terms of increasing their chances of surviving a disaster quite a bit actually i think all of us have been in the outdoors if you're listening to this uh, you might be a prepper a homesteader a gardener a weekend warrior uh, you're out there backpacking kayaking you're doing something out there especially you hunters and fishermen and we've all been out there and, until i think 19 20 21 I was always out there, but really didn't understand everything I saw. Uh, so a lot of the plants and creatures and things that I passed by every day, I didn't really realize the backstory, uh, what they could be used for, just how useful and what I was missing out on. So you think that you're enjoying hunting, you, you haven't seen anything yet. If you, if you enjoy trapping and, and fishing and doing all these things, imagine how much more interesting it becomes when you see different aspects, different angles, uh, different styles, there are so many more things out there. And I can show you, show you some tricks, show you some plants that uh, most folks have no idea just how useful they are. Uh, even stuff that you see around town out here in the Southwest, people see it all the time. And after a while, it just becomes gray noise. Uh, these are things that you can take and have some fun with in your own kitchens, your own backyards. And if need be, these are skills that will not only let you survive, but actually th thrive in times of uh, need. Bob Hansler, thank you so much. How can our readers get a hold of you? Uh, look me up, Bob Hansler on YouTube. You'll find lots and lots of stuff and uh, leave me a comment. Tell me what you think. Sounds great. Thank you so much. God bless. Thanks for having me, guys. You know, it's getting hard to read the headlines without seeing a story about an active shooter or other person with bad intentions causing casualties among innocent civilians. 
we talk and we write a lot, an awful lot, about what you can do to deal with these situations from increasing situational awareness to learning the Department of Homeland Security's run-hide-fight triad. But another way you can help is rendering help to stop the bleed. The top cause of preventable death from trauma is indeed bleeding, whether it's from an active shooter or a car crash or other events. 20% of people who have died from traumatic injuries could have survived with the quick action of a bystander. National Stop the Bleed Day is on March 31st this year. It brings bleeding control instructors or BCON instructors and students together for a free day of training. Our guests on the show today are Joshua Raymer and Max Dodge. Joshua Raymer is a wilderness first responder and the Illinois coordinator for National Stop the Bleed Day, and Max Dodge is a national leader for the campaign. They're here to talk with us about National Stop the Bleed Day, and we'll see What's going on? Absolutely. There you go. Hey, Joshua and Max, you guys there? Hi, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Josh, I want you to tell us a little bit about Stop the Bleed Initiative and how you got involved in this worthy campaign. All right, thank you for that question. Sure. Uh, the Stop the Bleed Initiative found its roots uh, after the Sandy Hook tragedy when the American College of Surgeons, the National Security of the White House, and the Department of Homeland Security had some professionals convened to try and determine what can be done to improve survivability in victims of a mass casualty event. Uh, One of the primary findings was that a number of people, a large percentage of people, about 20%, are actually dying from preventable bleed-outs. And if an individual at the scene had been able to provide bleeding control, they would have been able to save some of these victims. Absolutely. Max, how did you get involved with this? Well, that's a great question. Um, I am involved with a uh, free open access online medical education uh, website called Next okay. Generation Combat Medic. <laughs> so it's, it's a, a group called Next Generation Combat Medic, and it's a group of military folks, military medical professionals that are all dedicated to Uh, advancing military medicine through uh, open access online education. And as a group of administrators, we spend a lot of time bouncing ideas back and forth. And one of our administrators, uh, Andrew Fisher, who was the former regimental PA for the 75th Ranger Regiment, um, threw out the idea of starting a national Stop the Bleed Day. and the idea was thrown back and forth, and we decided it was a good idea. So we started pooling our resources behind it, and this was a couple weeks in advance of the Las Vegas shooting. And all of a sudden, this little idea that we had that we were going to spread amongst our, our peers and our friends um, blew up and took off and became a national thing in a matter of days. And so it... it it took off more than we had expected, and we were all just shocked and amazed uh, at the support that we've received from um, agencies, from local fire departments to national and international companies uh, providing discounts for instructors and students and things like that. Well, I have the highest respect for the combat medic who does the impossible under even more impossible conditions. Joshua, what are some of the um, types of things that you guys are doing with this campaign, I know you mentioned instructors and classes. 
tell me a little bit about what's going on in each of the states. Is there, you know, is this down to counties? If somebody was interested in taking a class or participating, how would they get in touch? The outline for our activities is very well established in three main parts. The first is to notify as many people as possible that the program exists, and that can be through social media, uh, radio advertisements, uh, billboards, or even flyers distributed to some of the local fire and police departments and uh, municipalities. We are also trying to encourage BCON instructors to register their courses on the www.bleedingcontrol.org website and establishing those classes so that people can look up the classes, find a class that is local to them, and they can get these classes provided in a, a setting that is, um, you know, makes the learning experience memorable and also uh, professional. Uh, we're trying to ensure that everything is delivered in a manner that, you know, people can easily engage with and mm -hmm. also will think highly of the, the delivery of the program. And lastly, we are trying to work with uh, organizations in the community to coordinate some donated materials, if that could be donating class materials such as training tourniquets or um, appendages like mm -hmm. foam noodles or the BCON kits that are available on the bleedingcontrol.org website. Those are things that can help the everyday BCON instructor uh, deliver this material to students. Nationally, uh, different coordinators have approached it in different manners. There are some folks that are actually emergency coordinators for the city in which they work, and they have obviously had a tremendous amount of success with outreach to the other local city offices, with uh, radio advertisers, and some other folks are working with a lot of very, very grassroots outreach, such as flyers to local businesses, uh, working with volunteer police and fire organizations. So if someone was interested in teaching, what kind of um, educators are you looking for? What does their background have to be? If anyone goes on to the bleedingcontrol.org website, they can find some of the credentials for becoming a BCON instructor. Uh -huh. uh, anyone with a background in tactical combat casualty care uh, is, is a, definitely qualified to be an instructor. Uh, mm -hmm. Trauma surgeons, uh, and uh, perhaps Max can illustrate some of the other credentials for uh, folks that we've actually had successfully register and deliver classes. Sure. So um, it says right in the instructor guide on the bleedingcontrol.org website under who can teach the BCON course, anyone who's taken a pre-hospital trauma life support uh, course and is a, an instructor for that, um, anyone who has taken the BCON provider course, uh, as Josh mentioned, anyone who is a TCCC or TECC instructor or provider, mm -hmm. um, any nurse who has taken the trauma nurse core curriculum or the ATCN course, um, any EMR, EMT, paramedic, RNPA, or doctor who's successfully completed the provider course, any ATLS instructor, or NAEMT instructor for any of their programs, um, anyone basically who has uh, some underlying knowledge of medical care and some knowledge of emergency care can go on and take the provider course or register directly online with the website and start teaching these classes. Now, I know a lot of um, 
folks in the medical field, including myself as a nurse practitioner and my husband as a doctor, have to get CEUs. If you take a class and you are in one of these fields that you mentioned and you're, you're actually just a student, is there any way to get CEUs for that course? There isn't any CAP CE accreditation um, through the American College of Surgeons for these courses. They typically run about two hours from start to finish, but there isn't uh, like a, a set amount of credits that you would get for that two hours. However, the National Registry of EMTs defers to the state as to what they will accept for continuing education credit. Mm-hmm. And as long as there is a roster and a qualified person instructing, um, that would count on a state-by-state basis as two hours of education in trauma and bleeding control. Oh, that's fantastic. I know we actually get a lot of those questions ourselves because we do a lot of first aid courses. But, you know, it's it's just something that if somebody's interested in taking it and somebody is an EMT, that's great for them to know. So let's actually go to a bleeding injury. And I'm going to let you guys talk about this and give us some advice. Let's say if we came upon someone who was bleeding, uh, what could we do? Uh, the initial step should be an assessment of the situation and determination if it is safe for you to assist a person in need. One should not allow themselves to become another victim. When possible, call 911 and inform the emergency dispatcher of the type of emergency and number of victims, if that is known at the time. Uh, when it is safe to enter, if possible, uh, try to determine if this is an extremity arterial bleed, which might require the use of a tourniquet. If a tourniquet is not available, then applying pressure to the wound with uh, gauze, a T-shirt, or some other absorbent material with a good, firm pressure. If it is an injury to uh, some part of the body, your torso, shoulder, um, the hip, or the abdomen, in that case, you would want to use that absorbent material to apply pressure and hold that pressure until trained first responders can show up and take over for you. We've talked about the classes. We've talked about how people can participate both as students and as, as teachers. But let's talk about what's actually happening on March 31st. Why is that an important day and, and what's happening on that day? March 31st was chosen sort of at random. I, I actually have no idea why Andy chose March out of all the months. I think maybe <laughs> because the assessment algorithm that we use in TCCC is the March assessment. Um, so maybe that was a, an inside joke that none of the rest of us got. Oh, um, that's great. I love it. <laughs> um, but it might also have been that it was just, it gave us uh, enough time to spread the word about the program and, and move forward. At the time, we didn't realize that it was going to conflict with both Easter and, I believe, um, some important basketball game. Uh, I'm not oh, no. I really follow basketball. March so. Madness. Yeah. Oh, March no. Madness, that's right. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, so, and this was brought up to us um, pretty quickly after it took off. And so, We've been telling everyone, don't think of it as necessarily Stop the Bleed Day. Um, Stop the Bleed Day is every day. Every day you may, you may come across a situation that will require you to spring into action and you should be prepared. Um, we, we considered it to be Stop the Bleed Month, more or less, and so a lot of our big sponsors, uh, the companies that offer medical equipment, 
have started their instructor discounts and their student discounts for bleeding control materials as of the first of the month, continuing on through usually the middle of April where these instructors can replenish their supplies. And so, you know, this is really our month to get out there and, and engage bystanders and get them trained. This has been absolutely very educational, and I think hopefully our listeners who are especially interested in this are going to jump on board and either be instructors or students. Sure, we have a lot of medics that are in the military now and medics that are veterans that listen to our show, so I hope that they'll take a moment and look at the website. What is the website again? Our website is stopthebleedday.org. And that refers to the, uh, the grassroots awareness campaign. And the official website run by the American College of Surgeons and the Department of Homeland Defense is bleedingcontrol.org. And so all of our resources point back towards the official website. The members of National Stop the Bleed Day have no direct affiliation with the American College of Surgeons, Department of Homeland Security, or anyone else. We're just a bunch of guys who think that this is a really important thing and that every bystander in America should know how to perform this basic first aid. As a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, I can tell you that it is very important. I've actually fought for the inclusion of reduced hemorrhage classes to be put into our school curriculums for some of our older students. I think that this is maybe the fourth R. I mean, there's reading, writing, arithmetic. I think reduce hemorrhage is a worthy skill for the average student to learn. Absolutely. And if every student knew how to stop yes, bleeding, we could, we could, I think, reduce casualties at these events, which I believe are not going to stop, and we'll see them, unfortunately, also in the future. What do you think about that? I totally agree with that. I, I think that standard first aid uh, should definitely be early in, in a standardized education curriculum. First aid is a life skill. As, a, as I used to teach first aid both to um, industrial sites and, and other um, work sites as kind of an OSHA requirement. So I'm very familiar with the first aid curriculum. Um, and it really is a life skill. It's definitely a life skill that you will find occasion to use at some point, um, especially if you are a parent or if you are in charge of other people. I think that that's really important because a lot of people think this kind of thing cannot happen here. I think you know, there's where they live. that normalcy bias, which I'm sure all of us who are speaking understand what that means, but just the fact that people generally wake up, they do their normal routine, whatever that is through the day, and they expect that they'll end up in the same bed that they, in, they started in the morning, and everything will be as it was the day before. Nobody Absolutely expects right. to come upon trauma, to come upon a car accident, to see someone on the sidewalk. <laughs> um, and so I I'm really applaud you guys for trying to wake up others to the fact that if you just learn this simple thing, like you guys said, a couple hours out of someone's life, this is a wonderful thing to know. And, and it's, it, we just got to keep pounding the pavement just like you guys are doing, getting the word out, telling your friends, your neighbors, your community, social networking. And I'm, I really thank you guys for doing this because someone that you might teach or have reached out to in some way might be the person that saves one of us or a family member. 
That's somewhere right. else. I have a daughter who lives in Chicago and one in New York City. I can't help them. I'm in Florida. But one of you might be around at the time or someone you taught. So we're, we're all connected whether we believe it or not. And, and thank you so much for what you guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to touch on that normalcy that you, you mentioned, you know, making this mm-hmm. part of curriculum for older students and, and having this training become, you know, a foundational part of, uh, you know, first aid, uh, first response. You know, there was a period in time where no one really recognized the value of hand washing in general medicine. And it wasn't until they, they proved the correlation between unsanitary hands and sanitary conditions and, you know, high infant mortality or, or high uh, infection rates uh, that they made a change, a fundamental change that improved the lives of many or the Heimlich maneuver or CPR. You know, these are things that are part of first aid training at organizations and in you know, educational institutions nationwide. And I don't think there's any reason that um, bleeding control, it should not be taught right in the same breath as those other ones. I absolutely agree, and I applaud your efforts. I hope that you'll continue doing what you're doing. What, what are your plans for the future, guys? Well, we hope to make this a yearly event. Uh, we're already looking towards a national Stop the Bleed week for next year's March. Um, we've already uh, checked to make sure that it didn't interfere with Easter, and it doesn't. Uh, so that shouldn't be an issue. <laughs> Any playoff then, games? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and, and we've had uh, just a tremendous response from various agencies all over the, the nation, and people are out there teaching BCon classes right now um, free of charge to their students, just getting the word out. And we really respect these instructors who are donating their time and their materials to, to get the word out. Um, normally, a BCon class is going to run you – anywhere from, you know, free to about $50, depending on what you walk away from that class with, usually a tourniquet or a first aid kit. Um, and these people are out there, these instructors, they're, they're donating their time and their resources to, to help this day be a, a success. So, you know, I thank them. They're really the, the guys in the trenches doing all the hard work, and, and I appreciate everything that they're putting into this program. Absolutely. Um, for those that are out there that are squeamish, and again, we've gotten this for years, I hate blood. I can't stand the sight of it. I have my daughter in Chicago that I offered this class to, Joshua, because <laughs> she's practically a neighbor, and she says, I could almost quote her, Mom, I can't. I'll get sick. So for people who are a little squeamish about blood, how much exposure to the look of blood, I know it won't be actual blood. <laughs> I don't expect the instructors to cut themselves, but how much blood will they be seeing in slides or, or in these, you know, pool noodles, which is what we've used also, or, or the little arms, the little fake arms. So how much blood are they going to see? Uh, if anyone does have some type of, you know, adverse reaction to the sight of blood, the contact information for the instructors are on there and they can determine what level of simulation will be in the class. Uh, we have had everything from instructors improvising pool noodles with no blood to a pool noodle wrapped in, you know, like a pant leg to simulate mm-hmm. the application of the tourniquet. And there are some folks that are a little more advanced and they've actually been using some of the uh, synthetic limbs that have, you know, aquarium pumps or 
lifelike arterial spurting bleeding. So uh, <laughs> if, you, if you have an issue with that, then I would recommend uh, possibly wearing garments that you're not very attached to and communicate <laughs> with the instructor beforehand <laughs> to uh, let them know about that, uh, that squeamishness. I think it's important to recognize that there are situations that we cannot control the situation happening, but we can have a large degree of control over how we respond to it. And taking one of these free classes gives you another tool in the toolbox for being able to respond to, you know, some of the, the things that are happening in, in society and, uh, you know, perhaps hunting injuries, uh, injuries at the home, you could possibly save the life of someone you really care about. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. We really appreciate your coming on. Lots of luck. Thank you so much. It was great to be part of your show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Survival Medicine Hour. I hope that you enjoyed it. This is Joe Alton, MD, for Amy Alton and all our guests. Wishing you the best of health and good times or bad. See you next week. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.